Legal challenges continue. What's the rush, Libs? Let's let the process work. Plus, Georgia doing a hand recount. Other states may have ballots tossed. What a Biden immigration policy looks like. And COVID lockdowns are looming. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news. And disseminating information. With actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American this is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Like I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, my friend, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thanks so much for being here. It's a strange time in our politics, isn't it? We can't seem to get a, a clear answer from the libs as to whether they want unity, want to bring us all together, or want to silence, want to purge, want to punish us. For being over 70 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump this time around. You know, Trump got more votes after being president, millions more votes after being president for four years. So their whole referendum on how evil he is and how terrible he is didn't didn't really work out quite the way they thought it would. Yeah, maybe they still end up squeaking out barely in a pandemic year in election win. I mean, this is a little bit like winning the Super Bowl in the middle of a hurricane. Technically, I guess you win, but it's not really a normal contest. But there's all this rush now. There are all, why won't he concede? Well, as I've told you, if he conceded while there were still legal challenges going on, they'd accuse him of being duplicitous. They would say that he's being dishonest and uh, that we can't trust his word, which they already say. They say he lies all the time. Once you've gone to a place where the entire Democrat Party and the media has been for for four years now of asserting that a person has no honor, no integrity, and you repeat it a million times, you can't then turn around and try to leverage the we will think less of you unless you do what we say routine. That's what the libs are doing right now. It's not going to work. Why the rush? Keep asking yourself that question. Remember when they tried that during the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation process? And they also used polls. That's right. Polls in the early days to show that the American people did not want her to be on the Supreme Court. Then the hearings happened, which is actually the constitutional process, and turned out the polls switched pretty dramatically in favor of ACB. But they were saying, why the rush? There was no rush. They had the hearings. It was fine. She was qualified. It's all constitutional. It is the process. And it matters. Right now, we are still very much within completely acceptable, completely uh, normal parameters in terms of process. No one's gone around it or outside it in the Trump campaign. We already know that there are such narrow margins in some places that there will be recounts triggered. Wisconsin, Georgia is going to do a recount by hand. And this will likely change hundreds, if not thousands of votes in those states. Perhaps more. Let's see. So what is the purpose of, say, the Karl Rove op-ed in the Wall Street Journal? Don't ever forget, Karl Rove was the guy who ran around Fox News like a maniac with his little whiteboard saying that Mitt Romney hadn't really lost in 2012. Karl Rove is in many ways the epitome, the quintessential establishment Republican. He's a guy that wants to return to the old era where there are very well-paid consultants and TV commentators who 
go in and out of administrations for all of their political expertise, like, of course, Karl Rove. And uh, when they lose and when Republicans don't actually enact any policies that are conservative and when there's no mandate for them to do very much at all, you know, at least we do it in a gentlemanly fashion, Romney style. Lose, get slapped around, but then say, sorry, I hurt your hand afterwards with my face. That was the GOP approach before Trump. I know I've seen it. You've seen it. Karl Rove wants us to go back to that because some people do very well in that system. They get on board seats. They get seven figure contributor deals at major cable networks. They are still, while opposed by the other side of the aisle, it's understood that they're one of the players. It's understood that they're at the big boy table. So, yes, it's not surprising to me that Karl Rove is already saying that this will not change. Who cares? The experts were telling us what the polls were indicating before this election, and they were wrong, including a lot of pundits as well as pollsters. Wrong. Shockingly bad predictions. We got a couple of weeks left here before states even certify. Why, why not see what these legal challenges turn up? There is, there is quite honestly no downside to this, which is why there's such a frenzy among the libs in the media to create the perception of a panic. They need panic. They need fear. That's why they love the COVID pandemic so much as a political tool. They need to leverage the fear that people have so they can get what they want. So they, they trot out all of these either deep staters or rhinos. And of course, the entire Democrat aligned media is all speaking with one voice on this, saying that this is unprecedented, false. That's actually one of the favorite tropes, one of the the things that the left has always done about uh, about Trump that is so transparently dishonest. They'll say something's unprecedented and then we find a precedent, but it takes maybe a few hours, maybe a day or two before we start actually hearing from the other side about how, no, there is a precedent for what Trump did. And then they just move on, pretend like they never said that it didn't happen. It's just attack and then move to the next one, you know. They, they show up, they do damage, they're dishonest about it, and then they look for the next target. That's how they oppose Trump. That's the, the strategy that is being enacted here. And so that then forces us to ask, what exactly, what exactly is the benefit of caving to them? What is the benefit at this stage of saying, you know what, fine, we're going to give up concede why Al Gore didn't concede in 2000 for what was it six weeks didn't concede and he was trying to make the system work in his favor in a clearly unfair fashion the the narrative you're told about 2000 is the Supreme Court just handed the election to Al Gore the reality is that state law in Florida and the the regulations that were in place from the Florida state legislature were look if you're going to do a recount you can't just pick a place you think you might get more Democrat votes and then block a place where you think there might be more Republican votes. You're going to do a recount. It's got to be statewide. You're determining who won that state. You don't get to pick and choose the places that'll work for you, maybe, and shut out the other ones. That was the Al Gore team strategy. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. Sorry. The results are the results. There's never been a count ever of any kind that showed Al Gore ahead. Was he ruining our democracy? No, of course not. So what exactly is the argument here? 
It's all rhetoric, friends. Rhetoric meant to frighten people into thinking we're in some crisis of democracy. There's no crisis. We got lawyers bringing challenges in court to find out who won this election. At the end of it, yeah, very real chance that we'll find out that Donald Trump didn't win. And maybe that means, and I understand this, that we just aren't able to prove a lot of fraud that did happen. I think that's a likely outcome, to be honest with you, that there'll be a lot of fraud, even if we find some that we never find out about. How do you prove this stuff? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to start doing fingerprint analysis and, and handwriting analysis on millions and millions of ballots, right, to see if we can find 5,000 here or 10,000 there that are fraudulent or that weren't actually signed and voted for by the people that are supposed to be. I, I, I don't think that's going to work. I know the Trump campaign suing in Michigan to have over a million ballots looked at very closely, perhaps even thrown out. I know that they're doing a hand recount in Georgia, that Pennsylvania something stinks. And here's the other part of this. We should remember what the media has done to us in the past. We should remember that they do not act in good faith as we go through this process because they are trying to use the good faith of conservatives against them right now. Come on, just do what we say. It's about our democracy. It's about a peaceful transition of power. This is what the founding fathers would want. They're, they're playing this game. They're poking with all this. Meanwhile, they didn't accept the 2016 election, and it went beyond just words. They schemed in the deep state to create the grounds for a special counsel investigation, the Russia collusion investigation. They sent people to prison because of it, all based on lies. Democrat paid for lies, Hillary's DNC, as we all know. They didn't accept at all. In fact, that was a real internal coup effort. And yet they're referring to this now as a coup because we won't cave, because we won't bend the knee. Why? Why would we do that? What, what benefit is there? If you read Karl Rove's op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, the question that you should ask him is, okay, Carl, so what? What, what are you trying? But he, he wants that pat on the head from the establishment. You want that, okay, you're not what you want, a Wall Street Journal editorial, right? Oh, you're, you're one of the good ones. You're not one of those Trump dead-enders. Sorry, there are about 72 million Trump dead-enders out there who want to know what really happened here. You know what the worst-case scenario is? The worst-case scenario is that the Trump team brings these legal challenges, they go through the courts, they're unsuccessful, and then the Biden administration takes over. And that could be pretty bad for America, but in terms of the system... It's exactly the way it's supposed to work. The founders built in all kinds of, of safeguards and, and additional pathways. Even if we had a 269 to 269 tie, which we won't, but even if that had happened, there's a way to get out of that gridlock. The House of Representatives intervenes. And if the House of Representatives can't figure this out, you know, eventually the president of the Senate comes in. I mean, there are processes here and we're going through them because that's what we have. And we all operate within that framework. Don't trust the people who are telling you that that your vote as a Trump voter, that your political beliefs as somebody who supports this administration don't deserve due process and don't deserve their day in court. Sa says who? On what basis? They're trying to bully you. They they rejected 2016. The Democrats rejected that election. 
They tried to use a coup to get rid of the president, and now they want to bully you by saying, come on, operate in good faith. Just concede. Just bend the knee. What have we learned in the Trump era? With the left, when you bend the knee, they just take your head. They say, thank you for your confession. Now we take you out and punish you even more because you've agreed about your wrongness. It's no advantage, no benefit, no reason to do it. Don't give them what they want. Let's see. If they were being honest, you know what they would say? Okay, we're we're happy because this will just solidify the mandate that they're going to claim, even though it's a razor thin election victory for Biden, no matter what. This will solidify his mandate by we went through these these checks. We looked for fraud, didn't find any. Now, of course, there is some fraud. People have been talking about this for days. I had Sean Parnell on the show. He's in Pennsylvania. He says that they found even in his one congressional district, dead people voting. Dead people voting is something that needs to be explained. The people in the media, they're saying there's no fraud. There's nothing to see here. There's no problem. They need to explain how a dead person votes, because if unless they can do that, there is fraud. So their initial premise that there's zero fraud. I know the New York Times front page yesterday says officials find zero fraud nationwide. That's a lie. And when people lie to you, And when they've acted in bad faith and expect you to act in good faith when it's in their interests, you should be very cautious. You should understand who you're dealing with. There is absolutely no reason for Trump, for the campaign, for the movement to do anything but fight on. That's the plan. We're going to execute on it. And all of the efforts to emotionally blackmail Trump voters into saying, fine, we give up. No. We give up when the process is done and we get answers one way or another. Until then, everything else they're saying and doing in the media, all these Democrats that are claiming that this is a coup, it's just noise. It's noise from people who don't have better arguments to make and are so emotionally invested in the defeat of Donald Trump that they don't care how much they are embarrassing themselves, their credibility, all of it. That's what we see now. We keep the fight going. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. He's going to continue to tweet. He's going to continue to drive the information flow across the vast propaganda networks that have supported and surrounded him. He'll be a tremendously pernicious force in this country for a long time to come. I mean, Stephanie, we it is it is definitely feels more like Moon over Parador, the movie, than it does a real coup. But this is a coup of sorts. We've never seen this in this country. This is a legitimate election, a fair election. Joe Biden has won the election. And every other year in the modern history of the country, the losing presidential candidate would have called, would have conceded. Everyone would have acknowledged it. And on we go. Right? That's what we do in America. But so this Steve, is this is an outrageous but, situation. But Steve, it's not a coup. It's cuckoo. Oh, ha ha. So clever. Uh, Schmidt used to be a GOP consultant. He comes from that Karl Rove school. Who writes the biggest check? That's what I stand for. Yeah. Steve Schmidt, everybody. Now part of the Lincoln Project. You know what the Lincoln Project did earlier this week? Shared from their Twitter account. Remember, they raised all this left wing money and have bought all this publicity and media with 
leftist money that's meant to, you know, destroy what Republicans are supposed to believe this country is all about. So they use that money. I mean, effectively, think of it like taking money from George Soros to represent yourself as the real conservative. Hmm. That's what the Lincoln Project's all about. They shared the personal uh, email address and phone number of two lawyers working from a top law firm for the Trump campaign on these uh, recount issues. Doxed them. Twitter actually took action against them, but that's who these people are. They want to lecture you about good faith and and call this a coup. I mean, Steve Schmidt is a moron. Honestly, not a smart person. Amazing that he's had the access and career he has, except look at the John McCain campaign. I mean, it was an absolute disaster. But a coup? How? Explain that. Why is it a coup? Notice it's all resting on their interpretation of Trump's words. Oh, Trump's words are so scary. What has he done that is coup like? Has he has he sent out the Secret Service to arrest people that are speaking out against him? I mean, they refer to Trump as a dictator and a fascist and say he won't leave. He's the first dictator in history whom everybody in the media who speaks out against advances their career and takes zero risk whatsoever professionally, never mind to their safety. Nothing but upside to being a Trump trasher in the media. And he's a fascist. Do do they know anything about fascists? Again, these people are venal and clownish and just dumb. Don't say, oh, but Buck, why, why have they been able to create these platforms for themselves? Why? Why has the Lincoln Project? Why have these other people who go on MSNBC and say that they were you know, Bush administration officials and now they're trashing Trump? How have they gotten where they are? If you have no scruples, if you have no decency, morals or ethics, you have a lot of latitude. You have a lot of ability to maneuver to benefit yourself. That's what's going on here. There's nothing impressive about it. It's like being the most vicious, ruthless thug on the block. It's not the same thing as building Microsoft from the ground up, even if you do turn into a profitable venture as a drug kingpin, let's say. It's not because you're some genius, but a coup how? It's within the legal process, and no one who knows the law of the Constitution would say otherwise. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're really seeing who these individuals are in the media and in politics today. You're seeing what their character is, their lack of character, really. As they think they've gotten this huge victory of a Biden presidency. And if they could only just wait a few weeks, it may may be the case. I'm not sitting here telling you that these legal challenges have worked. I'm telling you we need to take these challenges as far as they can go. We need to understand what happened. There's a lot of fishy stuff here. And they can tell you it's not, but they're lying. Just like they lied about Trump being a Russian stooge. I remember who these people are. I remember what the opposition did to this president. I'm not forgiving. I'm not forgetting. Because they largely got away with it, friends. So now that they think things are going their way, it's all, hey, why can't we all get along? Be unified which means shut up and do what we tell you. No, I say uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Here's a a classic moment with Bro Bro Cuomo. He's a journalist, a journalist and a weightlifting enthusiast. Play clip four. This goes way beyond Trump. Trump is toxic. Surprise. However, 
The real surprise is the blame that must be put on those who ignore and therefore empower. And those who say this should just run its course. Running its course means transition. And they know it. I'm telling you, remember the people who are enabling this fraud. They must answer for defending Trump's delusions. They are remaining silent when it matters most. Most Republicans in Washington, did you know, they won't even say President-elect Biden in public? You know who else is doing that? Vladimir Putin, President Xi, and Kim Jong-un. Great company. Oh, that's right. It, it transitions right away. If you, if you don't agree to call it for Biden already with these, they're razor-thin margins, folks, in a lot of these states. You look at them, we're talking 10,000 votes, 15,000 votes. This could swing a state. Look at Arizona. Of course, Arizona was called way too early. Also would have changed the whole perception, too. Imagine going into election night if Trump had won Arizona, if, if Trump hadn't had Arizona called for Biden, it would have shifted our whole perception of how how plausible it was to fight it out in some of these late counting states. But yeah, Fox made its call. It was the wrong call. Obviously, they didn't know. Now they're just praying they end up being right just by luck. There was no mathematical projection they could have looked at to show that Arizona went for Biden. But I, I have to love this a CNN anchor telling us that if you won't cave, if you won't give in, you're basically doing Russia and North Korea and China's work for them. First of all, if you're going to have Joe Biden as president, I would stay away from talking about selling out to China. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good move. Uh, we're not going to forget about the Hunter Biden stuff. I will tell you, though, as I said all along, uh, that the, the media blackout on that worked. The only people that heard about that were conservatives and the only people that cared were conservatives. There was not a single person you can point to or find who says, oh, wow, Hunter Biden is a screw up who was trying to sell out his country and use his dad for access. And Joe Biden knew about it and said, eh, I'm going to vote for the other guy. I don't know of a single case of it. Maybe it happened, but huge conservative media fixation on this. And it does remind me of other times when what gets ratings for the conservative audience doesn't always move the needle in politics. You see, what we what was working was Trump policies that were appealing to uh, black and Latino voters in unprecedented you know, numbers in my lifetime for the GOP. There were other way, ways to go at this, turning out more of the white working class vote in these key states. And that should have been more of a focus, more of a messaging appeal. But we spent a lot of time on the Hunter Biden stuff anyway. I try to I try to tell people uh, you know, I said it all along. You know, I did. I said it's interesting. We'll cover it. It's worth knowing about, but it's not going to move any votes. So you got uh, Bro Cuomo saying you're, you're doing what the dictators, the foreign dictators. Who, I mean, who cares whether they call Joe Biden the president elect or not? And, and this, this whole idea that they're going to remember, they're going to hold this accountable. OK, the, you know what, CNN, hold me account. First of all, I'm not being quiet. I'm saying fight this thing out to the end, to the mat, to the max. On, on every platform I have, as many places as I can say it, I'm being very clear about that. And I'll stand behind that no matter what. You know, the motto of the show is shields high. It's not have a shield sometimes unless you're going to catch too much heat and then run away from it. But is CNN going to be held responsible for its 
direct role in creating the grounds of an attempted coup, which is what the Russia collusion lie was. Fake Tapper and others over there working with former government officials that they then paid off, put them on the payroll. Does anyone think that Brennan and Clapper are good TV analysts? Really? Oh, they had senior titles. There are a ton of people in the government that have fancy sounding titles. that Don't know squat. And they certainly aren't good on television. But you got to pay off Brennan Clapper. Get the leaks you can from them about what they think happened with Trump and Russia. Run with them as anonymous senior administration official stories and try to bring down the president of the United States. When uh, when you had Bush v. Gore, you know that, yeah, they gave intelligence briefings to Trump and not the PDB. I'm sorry, not to Trump, to, to Bush, not the presidential daily briefing, as I understand it, looking back on the history. Uh, so they, that's the only thing that as a president you really want to see. The other stuff is, come on, if you, if you read the front page of the newspaper, you pretty much know what you're going to get in lower level intelligence briefings. I, I hate to burst everybody's bubble. There's not some team of geniuses coming up with amazing analysis and, you know, really fancy stuff that's going to change your perception of the world at the secret level. You know, the PDB has some interesting stuff, which is the president's daily briefing goes to the top government officials. I used to write for it regularly when I was in the CIA. But even that sometimes you're like, man, I kind of knew this. I'm just telling you the truth kind of stuff that you're like, man, not a big surprise. But there's such a, a push. And I don't ask just for rhetorical reasons, the why the rush. I also really want to know. <clears throat> they clearly don't want this process to go forward. And, and ask yourself this. If we found evidence of widespread fraud, if in fact that happened, do you believe for one second that any of these voices, any of these names out there that are saying the president's engaged in a coup and this is all a lie? Do you think that they'll apologize? You think they'll say, oh, wow, we were wrong. There, there is actually some fraud here. No, I can guarantee you right now what they'll say is eh, there's always a little bit of fraud, not that much fraud. Let's move on. They want a result, friends. There's no principle here. There's nothing they can point to. Uh, I mean, to say that, oh, we need more time for a Biden transition. Biden can do whatever he wants. He can set up whatever appointments he wants. He can talk to whatever, he, you know, he's a he's a free He's a free American citizen. He'll do whatever he wants to do. He have whatever conversations he wants to have. Forget about the Logan Act. That's only used to prosecute Republicans, as we know. So what's the big problem here? They tried to sabotage the Trump transition openly. They sent in FBI agents to go after the National Security Advisor based on the Logan Act and some flimsy, oh, but Russia something or other. Yeah. They used the resources of the government to spy on the Trump campaign and then to try to go after members of the Trump campaign with law enforcement resources in the final weeks of the Obama administration presidency. It's the most appalling, disgraceful political scandal of my lifetime. And they want to lecture us on transition now? I'm supposed to sit here and hear from all these, oh, so smart, fancy media types. I just, it's amazing. Really, the media is full of a lot of very dumb people. It's kind of sad. I don't know what it is. It's like we get all the second and third tier students from second and third tier colleges. Uh, and then 
we're supposed to believe every word they say. I don't know. That's that's the way it is. No, we understand why they're calling for the, the speedy conclusion of our efforts to get to the truth um, and meaning that we have to abort our efforts to get to the truth. We're not allowed to get to the actual conclusion. We're not allowed to take this to where we want to. And it's because they've already set up expectations that I don't think they'll be they'll be able to uh, they'll meet when, with the public. No fraud. Really? 150 million votes cast, give or take. And it was all just fine. I mean, think about that. Yes, we're finding dozens of people who are dead who have voted already, and they were clearly dead. Obviously dead. Right? Proven. And no one even tries to answer how that could happen. That seems very weird, doesn't it? But then you have to remember that we were told and that the narrative, the dominant uh, media narrative during all of this was that they were hoping um, they were hoping to convince as many Americans as possible that Donald Trump was a unique threat to the future of this country. And I think a lot of people do believe that. I actually think a lot of members of the media have have brought themselves to believe that they think that that's somehow true. And if that were the case, if I believed that a president was a fascist, a dictator, and I was in a position to scan in an extra hundred ballots against the fascist, would I regret that if I did that in, on my deathbed? If I really believed the president was a fascist, he's going to round people up, put them in camps, shutter opposition press, you know separate families and, you know, I don't know, be a white nationalist supporter, all the stuff that they say about him. If I believed that, wouldn't I think it was a righteous thing to do to fill out as many ballots as I could, knowing the chance of me being caught is about, you know, just slightly above zero. And even if I were caught doing that, where are you going to be prosecuted? You really think that in these blue parts of the country, Cheating against Trump in the election is going to get you a long prison sentence? No. No, friends. A Republican somehow in any of these places would find themselves on the wrong side of a 10-year federal term. But if you're a Democrat and you cheat in Philadelphia, you, you think the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, when they find out about this, is really going to go after you hard on that? Nah. You think that jury is going to even convict you? Mm. Add up all these... Add up all of these uh, factors of, of risk and incentives. And to think that there's no cheating that has occurred with all of that, to me, is just, it's beyond belief. It is beyond belief. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Donald Trump is not going away. He needs to continue the grift. He's going to continue doing rallies. He's going to continue talking for years about how the elections were robbed because it's all he has. And it's all his family of grifters have. I mean, what do you think? You think they can go back to New York and go back to the Met Gala? No. Do you think that they're going to go be happy going back to selling uh, condos in Aventura? 
No, they need to keep this up so they can, you know, be selling books and giving speeches and having holding rallies and taking money from naive donors who are going to believe this story that the elections were fraudulent. There is no evidence of fraud. Zero. There is no evidence of fraud. And Joe Biden is the next president. And uh, Donald Trump is going to have a cow and a tantrum and behave like a man baby uh, for as long as he possibly can. (laughs) I mean, how much stupid analysis can you cram into one soundbite? And it's Senator Navarro, allegedly a Republican, if you believe CNN and uh, the, uh, the, the view. Really just the, the lowest, uh, you know, collective political discussion, lowest IQ political discussion on television, I think, occurs on The View on a daily basis. But think about all the things that she's saying here, just because this is somebody, again, platform. Got a couple million people watching The View every day, watch her on CNN. I've, I've had to be on CNN segments with her. She, it's, it's hard to be a more worthless and dumber political analyst. It's actually difficult to, to know nothing and to go on TV so much and just say stupid things. Uh, Trump and his family of grifters. What exactly is the what, what's the basis for saying that? Trump was on the and, and made hundreds of millions of dollars. What was one of the most popular TV shows in the world? I think it was actually number one for a time. He's worth at least a couple billion dollars. He's got a globally recognizable brand. He owns Mar-a-Lago, owns, you know, built properties and, and, and owns pieces of properties all over the world. And his family all are millionaires. They don't need, you know who needs who needs this? Joe Biden. You know who needs this? The Biden family. Because without without being in political office, they got nothing. One of the reasons why we know that Trump isn't in the same position as a lot of these other people from inside the political establishment is because he doesn't need this. He doesn't need it. If anything, it's probably cost his family a lot of money. It's hurt the brand. They've had the name taken off of buildings. Oh, we can't have Trump on the building anymore. But this is what I mean. No, no intelligent person thinks it's, it's good analysis. Trump needs this or else he can't. He can't go back to um, being the world famous billionaire who can do whatever the hell he wants and has a you know, model wife and a big loving family. What, 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 what can he not go back to? I'm just I'm really asking him. What, what is she thinking? What is she thinking? But, you know, also, I mean, it's really amazing. You know, somebody who when Hillary Clinton was running against Trump, she made the comment, I think it was on the Bill Maher show that Trump only has what he has because of his daddy. Hmm. Hillary really made it on her own. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I think it was actually the Bushes when she was pushing for Jeb Bush over Trump. She said, Jeb Bush, he's really gotten where he is on his own merit. Yeah, sure he has. It's uh, it's not possible to be too stupid for TV if you say things that appeal to libs. And if you'll be a Republican, a quote Republican that trashes only people on your own side, that just it, it amuses them. You do it for the amusement of Democrats, but they'll pay you for it. You can make some nice money from doing that. I will tell you that. And, and for some people, that's enough. Uh, yeah, I do hope that we all listen to what uh, Bro Cuomo says about people should be held to account. Sure. Why doesn't he have somebody on his show to debate how this is outlandish, outside the process? The law doesn't count anymore? It's just what libs want? No, of course not. At CNN, they can't even expose that brainwashed audience of 
of uh, you know liberal so-called elites to what really happens in the world and what the reality all around them is. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I almost want to give the libs some uh, credit for creativity because there are so many things that they say now. There are so many different schemes they're uncovering, so many enemies to take down because the president is asking his campaign to bring legal challenges against uh, possible voter fraud and, and irregularities in the vote count. Evil stuff. Oh, it's such a, a terrible thing that's going on. And it's not just the president, right? They're going after other people, too. They're even attacking the attorney general. I mean, here's Senator Blumenthal, really somebody who anyone who has ever voted for this guy in Connecticut, Senator Blumenthal, should be embarrassed. I mean, he's an embarrassing person, but they keep voting him into office. I don't don't know why. I don't know who casts a vote for this guy and thinks they're doing a good thing. I'd like to meet that person. This guy Blumenthal is just slimy. Here he is going after one of the finest, uh, finest lawyers and legal minds in America, Attorney General Barr. Play eight. I am deeply troubled, as my colleagues are, by the statements made by Attorney General Barr, who, again, is acting apparently as a puppet of the president rather than a lawyer for the American people. He is throwing gasoline on the fires of false claims of fraud, fueling doubts and undermining faith in the integrity of our election process. There are no facts or evidence that justify an investigation. He knows it, but he is giving a patina of credibility to baseless and destructive accusation. I would suggest respectfully that Attorney General Barr has taken his office to a new law and the ramifications are profound and dangerous for our country this kind of scaremongering is no substitute for the truth what the heck is this moron talking about i really think about that for a moment what is this united states senator saying the attorney general put out a statement saying that if there is real reason to investigate fraud then the doj will do that he also specifically said that fanciful or or non-credible even early indications are not enough to open an investigation and, and look into this. So we need something real. But yes, we, that's what the law says. Notice that they never tell you that. Election fraud is supposed to be investigated by the Department of Justice. This isn't some new idea that Barr came up with out of nowhere. This isn't, isn't some random thing that he's doing just because he's trying to help the president out. But they lie to you. They lie to you anyway. They just don't care. Here's an example of a lie. He says there's no evidence. You heard him very clearly. The sitting United States Senator. There's no evidence for fraud. Okay, he must believe in mass resurrection then because we know that people voted who are dead. We already know that. I have not heard a single explanation of how that happens. That would not involve somebody getting a dead person's ballot and saying, "Man, I'll, I'll send this one in on their behalf. Is there another explanation? I mean, use Occam's razor on this one. Is there something else that makes sense? Is there something else that we should be thinking about here? Hmm. 
Tell me, please. I'm, I'm so curious. I, w- I would want to know. But you're not allowed to ask questions. Shut up and unify, they tell you. Unite with us or else. Just like all totalitarian regimes. That's, that's the approach. That's what they want to do. And we have to hear from among the, the, the dumbest minds in American politics, like Kirsten Gillibrand. Play three. Well, President Trump is just kicking and screaming like the child he often is. And while he's entitled to file lawsuits, ask for recounts, the reality is is that Joe Biden won this election. And the fact that they're unable to have an ascertainment of this election and not eligible to start the peaceful and um, critical transition that has gone on efficiently in every other election is really going to harm the United States. No, I, I think that that's all bull. <laughs> I think that what she's saying is nonsense. It's all it's all going to be fine. If at the end of this process, Joe Biden is the president, they'll have plenty of time and plenty of ability to get up and running. Joe Biden's been in public office his whole life. He's already been vice president for eight years. What, what are they really what critical national security endangering, uh, you know, slowdown are we really talking about here? What, what is there? Doesn't have anything. Doesn't have anything. They just say this stuff. I can't imagine hating somebody that I've never that I have no personal interaction with, really. Or even if they've met Trump, I know Kirsten Gillibrand, I'm sure, has talked to him before, but there's no personal animosity between them. Right? Trump hasn't wronged her. But I just can't imagine hating somebody with the same unhinged ferocity that the libs hate this president. It's like nothing else I've ever seen in American politics. I mean, I find Trump affable i I think the guy's really entertaining i think he he's very he can be very warm very ingratiating when you're in talking to him in person he obviously became president because he has some political skills so he's able to connect with people and he does he does have a you know a, a common touch that's that's true about him they hate this guy they find him to be such such a, a terrible person. And a big part of this, I think we all have to understand, is because of what he does to their sense of who they are. Donald Trump is not supposed to be in the position he's in. And he calls into question what people like Kirsten Gillibrand think of themselves, that they're they're this they're this ordained elite that are meant to rule over the rest of us. And they have some brilliant vision of the future. If only we would stop standing in their way. That's laughable. These people are clowns, folks. People are a joke. There's no vision for the future that's going to make everything better. Just empower government more. Put more bureaucrats in charge of your life. You know that feeling you get when the TSA is slowing you down at the airport and you know that this is dumb and it's all just security theater. Kind of like we're going through a lot of COVID theater now, but you know that just... That that frustration where you just want to say, who the blank thought this was a good idea? You know, well, why are they, you know, now the machine is broken. They got to get someone else on the shift or there's some problem. You're just like, what? That's what dealing with government is, because nobody cares. No, one, there's no one to complain to. No one's going to come and help you. You just hope that eventually they stop making you suffer. That's what having the government involved in your life really means. But they, they don't they don't agree. They don't see it that way. Uh, they, of course, think that our side is full of of morons. Um, although Bernie Sanders here kind of a backhanded compliment to Republican senators. 
Bernie Sanders. I miss him because, you know, I want to be able to do the Bernie Sanders voice on the show. Then unless he comes back, unless he's out there making the case to the people, how can I make the Bernie Sanders voice? Play two. Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, told CNN he's hearing from some of his Republican colleagues who wish to congratulate President-elect Biden, but say they can't do that publicly yet. Are you having similar conversations with Republicans behind the scenes? Look, absolutely. You know, the average Republican senator is not an idiot. They understand that Trump has lost. But one of the other things that we should all be nervous about and fearful about is the degree to which Trump intimidates and scares the hell out of Republican members of Congress. They are afraid to stand up to him. So you've got a, a party, not of individuals, but almost a cult-type party, where members of the Senate who know better, not just on this issue, on many other issues, they'll come up to you privately and say, yeah, Trump's a little bit crazy. So, you know, I, I think I would hope, I don't want to, the Republicans won't take my advice anyhow, I know that, but I would hope that they get the courage to stand up as individuals, represent their constituencies, and do not live in fear of Donald Trump. It's not a good thing. We don't live in fear of Donald Trump. Just just want to see what they find here using the legal process and going through the mechanisms that they have. Just want to see. Like I said, we've th- we're in a football game. We've thrown a challenge flag. That's it. They don't want us to be able to throw the challenge flag, but those aren't the rules. We've thrown a flag. We'll see. If they're not able to find any any widespread fraud in the next couple of weeks or so, you know, it's it's going to be tough, folks. I mean, we're going to have to at some point say, all right, somehow we either weren't able to prove the fraud, which it's not in court. As you know, it's not about what is really. It's about what you can prove. And we'll have to go from there. But all of this, this hysterics around that, why can't the libs just focus on what a Biden presidency would do? Why can't we hear just more of the vision for the future and how we're all going to be told, oh, my gosh, Kamala Harris, she's going to be on the cover of every magazine, the most fashionable, the most brilliant, the most wonderful vice president in the history of the country. We all know that, right? Even though we're all sitting around saying even Democrats didn't really like Kamala Harris. In the primary, even they realize like eh, she's kind of a ruthless, conniving, does whatever she has to do to get ahead. Not particularly charming. And she's already got her husband getting ready to take a senior role in the administration. And I'm just going to tell I I'm just going to say this one time. Well, no, I'll probably say it more than that. Told you about the nepotism thing, folks. I I can't I'm not I can't complain about Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, at least I can't make the case publicly about Kamala Harris bringing in her husband and she can make him senior White House advisor, senior vice presidential, I don't know, liaison to you know, whatever she wants. And we really can't say anything about it. And people, I remember I brought this up. I said, we're setting a standard here on nepotism. People didn't want to hear it. Trump supporters didn't want to hear it. And I said, guys, I, we, if we don't draw a line on this, that's fine. But just understand what it's going to mean going forward. And that's now we're there. Now we're there. And people said to me, Buck, Trump needs people around him. He can trust. He needs. Well, guess what? And Kamala is going to say she needs people around her. She can trust too. her husband is now going to be probably determining how long the covid lockdowns last or something. So this is this is what happens. It's why principle is important, friends. Understanding what is true, irrespective of who benefits from that truth. 
and then holding ourselves to that standard, it matters. It matters. And I'm sorry, but on the on the nepotism issue, we 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 abandoned. Look, it's not a huge deal, but we did not hold fast to that. Let's just our side. We live in reality. We speak the truth. Let's be honest about that. Um, But there's also another honesty, which is that the popular vote is a joke. It doesn't mean anything. There is no popular vote contest. But the libs still talk about this all the time. Play one. You know, 12, 15 hours after she had won the popular vote by millions of votes, but she knew that the 77,000 vote margin in the three upper Midwestern states would not be erased by recounts. And as hard as it was for her to do it, she put the needs of the country over her own needs. No, she lost. And there was no belief that she would be able to win any of these states if there was a recount. No, she lost. The popular vote is not the contest that's run. If it was, Republicans would spend a whole lot more time campaigning in places like New York and California, which they essentially write off every election cycle because they can't use scarce resources in states that they have really no realistic chance of winning. So that's a different game. It's like sports are useful for this. It would be like saying, well, no, it's not four quarters. It's first team to 100. Well, no, when the fourth quarter ends in basketball, that's whatever the score is, is who wins. It doesn't matter that you haven't gotten to 100 yet, right? This is what liberals do. They just keep changing the rules as it suits their immediate political needs. And then they turn around and lecture all the rest of us about how Trump is a big baby and he's terrible. Nonsense. Garbage. Lunacy. That's what they do. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Yeah, you know, if we don't come together as a nation and get the politics out of this and have every single state mandating masks, we're not going to get on on top of this. Every state is seeing rises. And what you should be seeing is our political leaders modeling the behavior we need to see. What you should be seeing is Congress coming together and saying, if we don't put money in people's pockets, if we don't extend a moratorium on evictions and and mortgage foreclosures, we're going to be seeing millions of people who are homeless in the middle of winter when disease is rampant. We're going to be see people who are being forced to go to work, even if they're sick, because they need to put food on the table and pay rent. And, and that is unconscionable. We, get, we are better than that. And this is the time to, gather, to come together as a nation. They want more lockdowns. That's what, that's what come together as a nation is. Lockdown again. Have the government just uh, run up trillions more dollars of spending. Lock people in their homes effectively or, you know, they can go out for certain things. But it's a, it's really very similar to house arrest. You know, if you're under house arrest, you have medical appointments, you're allowed to leave your home. You have house arrest. I think you can probably even go out to get food. It depends on what the specific conditions of your punishment are. But that's a punishment. House arrest is a punishment. People will get that who break the law. So they want to put us all under house arrest because they think it's necessary to keep us safe from a disease that has a above a 99 percent survival rate if you get it. And we've already gone through lockdowns and they told us that it would be temporary and it wasn't. Once you once we concede, once we say, fine, we'll we'll do what you say. But just for the period of time, you say and and we turn that key and all of a sudden that becomes the reality. You know what happens after that? They say, you know, it's just not enough, guys. You got to got to do a little more. Sorry. Got to keep pushing. Got to keep doing a little more, a little more, a little more, more masking. All we have to do to beat this pandemic is wear masks. 
which is fascinating because at the beginning of the pandemic, they were straight up telling us, don't wear masks. As you know, that's a fact. And they say, oh, but we didn't know about asymptomatic carriers or whatever. Uh, they weren't even telling sick people that they had to wear masks all the time. That, that, that's the reality, okay? So what the heck is going on here? I mean, it's the biggest policy bait and switch I've ever seen in my life. And you would think, and I've been saying all along, you would think that they, with Biden and the vaccine stuff that's come out now, they would be willing to ease up a little bit. But no, no, they're going to use this even more. You're going to have even more of this. In fact, the demands, they're, they're going to want everybody who's had any questions about the utility of lockdowns and the constitutionality of these lockdowns, they're, they're going to want to make all of us bend the knee to it. Yeah, now you're really going to do it. As soon as, as soon as Biden comes in in January, we're going to lock, we're going to lock the country down till June again. That's what happened last time. <laughs> Uh, stunning. And if you don't do it, you want old people to die. We're, we're, we're having the same argument all over again. Play 10 here. Here's a perfect example. We are the 10th worst country in the world. Right after Bolivia, there are more than 150 countries doing better than us. This is what making America great again looks like in reality. 10th worst in the world. And there are conservatives and Republicans running around being like, well, you know, Spain's worse. Well, you know what? We don't live in Spain, do we? We live in the United States of America. We live in our country, our home. We should be demanding the best of our country and our leadership. But instead, this corrupt, defeated government has surrendered. What, what, are, they, what are they supposed to do? They've told everybody, yeah, wear masks. Go, go ahead and wear your masks. I'm in New York City. We wear masks all the time. Cases are climbing. Everyone's wearing masks. All, except when they're celebrating a you know, preemptive Joe Biden victory. Everyone's wearing masks all the time. Cases are still climbing. Why is that? Oh, because we're not doing it well enough. It's our fault. It's not their stupid policies. It's not that mandates actually aren't going to fix the problem. It's that we are insufficient. Do more of what we say. That's always the response you're going to get. Friends, we can just allow this to happen or we can fight back with everything we've got and try to turn this around. But I think, unfortunately, the, the panic porn squad is going to win once again. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Harsanyi time, everybody. You remember our friend David Harsanyi. He is at NationalReview.com. He's a senior writer there. David, good to have you back. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So it feels like there's a plan right now, David, that's underway where many people, many voices in the media and the Democrat Party are seeking to really bully people into not asking any questions and to not go through the process of just checking. Just we're just asking for some checking here. They're already calling it a coup. How is it a coup to ask for a recount? I feel like you're begging the question. I don't think it's a coup to uh, to ask for a recount. I think that, uh, in fact, in many ways, having a legal process laid out that allows you to uh, to you know, to, to to see if these fraud charges are true, so that we can have uh, judges look at it, so we can have move forward in that sort of way is a lot better than what Democrats did four years ago when they simply, you know, spun conspiracy theories and threw them out there, and no one could really check them because we had no sources or anyone to deal with, and then you know, spread it out for four years of conspiracy theories. So it's a much better and uh, for democracy as it were, and much better for 
the legitimacy of an election to to allow people to legally challenge things that they think are fraud or, you know, what even if they're not fraud mistakes that might happen during an election. Why do you think there's such a hysterical tone about how this period we've if you go back in history, there have been very tightly contested elections. You even go back into some elections. No one even remembers the 19th century. Uh, There were times when we had to get deeper into the process and, you know, the, the margins could be very narrow. We all remember 2000 Bush v. Gore. Uh, there have been a, a few, a handful of races that recounts did turn, including uh, Norm Coleman versus Al Franken, which people believe there was impropriety there. And somehow Al Franken came out on top in the end. Uh, so why the hysteria, David? Why, why are we being told that the president's uh, practically barricading himself in the White House and they're going to have to have the Secret Service carry him out? What is wrong with people? Also, the 1960 election, which uh, Nixon probably won and was cheated out of. But, um, well, listen, I think that some of the things that the president says are a little bit much in the sense of um, putting doubt into the minds of people over millions of votes that we don't even know if there's anything there. But um, I don't think I think that uh, allowing it to play out, if Biden won, he doesn't need to be in the White House right now. We don't need to call him president-elect. There's no, no law that says that. In fact, there's nothing that says that we need to do that. Um, so allowing President Trump to uh, challenge these things in court, I think, is fine. I mean, I, I just don't understand the coup talk. I don't love the way he's framing these things, but I certainly don't like the coup talk either, especially coming from people who did, you know, who who went did the Russia conspiracy stuff stuff. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it, I just don't understand why we can look into some of these irregularities. Uh, some of it, I think, can be explained. Maybe some of it can't. I'm skeptical that it's going to turn over this election because you're dealing with a bunch of states. But we have recounts all the time, as you mentioned. We have hand recounts. I think there's going to be an automatic one in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I don't see what's wrong with it. Looking into these things, we do it all the time. And if the, the the tables were turned, you can bet you can bet that we would be doing the same exact things, and Democrats would be doing the same exact thing. Right. I mean, when it was a very narrow election in 2000, as we remember, not only was Al Gore bringing legal challenges, but it was very it was very obvious what was going on. They were they were trying to pick and choose what county can we squeeze a few more votes out of, but not that county. We're going to recount here, but not there. Yeah, that that's that's not the way the system is supposed to work. Yeah, Biden want uh, Biden uh, Gore wanted us to stop counting in certain ways, start counting in other places, only recount in areas where he thought he could win. And in the end, we we saw because media organizations uh, actually recounted every vote, and we saw that Bush actually expanded his vote count. So, um, but that was one state. You know, we're dealing with numerous states here, but still, I just don't see what the rush is. We always hear how sacred democracy is, but when anyone actually wants to look into votes. Everyone has a conniption over it. Well, you know, and it, 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 it's beneficial for them. But so I'm, I'm not that. Uh, I mean, listen, if, if all the court cases came back and all the challenges came back and it said, listen, uh, Donald Trump lost the election and then he's not leaving, which I, I just don't think is going to happen. I'd have a problem with it. But right now, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I have brought this up with, uh, I, you know, I, I talk once a week with a, a Democrat friend. We do a podcast together with a, a friend, Mark Lamont Hill, who's a Democrat. And and I, I tried to explain this to him recently. Or I tried to explain this where I said there's something a little bit offensive. And I think it's it's kind of intentional, at least for people that have a broader perspective on these things. When they when they claim that 
Trump is just going to stay and is not going to leave the White House. No, if I mean people like you and me, David, if the president was just saying, no, I'm not going to go even after the legal challenges and the states certify their election results and the process is finished. People wouldn't be we wouldn't be OK with that, but that's not going to happen. So it just seems like crazy talk. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem with a lot of what's going on for years now, even beginning right when he was elected, Donald Trump, I was told that what he was saying was nuts. Right. And then it turned out, well, maybe it wasn't as nuts as people said it was. Right. Or I heard this is the next Hitler. And then he wasn't the next Hitler. He wasn't the next Hitler the next month or the next month or the next month. So all of this sort of hysteria has undermined trust in media, has undermined trust in the way we cover things, has undermined trust in government officials. So I'm perfectly willing to let it play out and see what happens. Now, as you mentioned, uh, I don't think Donald Trump would stay if states certified the election for for, um, for Biden. And uh, I'm, I'm not worried about that. And if it happened, then obviously you and I and others would have a big problem with it because we believe in the process, the, the thing that Democrats have been trying to destroy for four years, frankly. So their howls of indignation and their uh, scary uh, warnings about the coming coup do not resonate with me, at least, because of history and because I know that they're they're full of it. We're speaking to David Harsanyi, senior writer at National Review. So, David, let's let's uh, allow right now for our conversation for Democrats taking control going forward uh, of the presidency, as in Joe Biden wins. Okay, we'll just. We'll go there psychologically because it may happen. I admit that it may may very well happen. Uh, What do you think a Biden presidency starts off as uh, given the warring factions within the Democrat, uh, within the Democrat uh, Party? And also, what do you think if we assuming we have the Senate, what's it like? Well, my hope is that there'll be tons of gridlock, um, which I think is, is probably the case after maybe a coronavirus relief bill. Um, I'm not sure, even with the House being that close, you have enough progressives that can stop any sort of um, moderate legislation and you have enough and also you have enough conservative or conservative moderate Democrats to stop any sort of crazy left wing uh, bill. A lot of these folks are going to have to be up for reelection in the mid, you know, in the midterm of the first term of the new president, which is always a dangerous time. So I just don't see them moving forward with any kind of progressive legislation. And that will probably cause frustration among the AOC types and others. So you're going to probably see more of that. Um, But uh, so I don't see much happening. I do see probably a lot of um, uh, executive actions by Biden rolling back or rolling back into a lot of the Obama stuff, the Paris Accords, maybe try to do the Iran deal, things like that. So that's how I see the first two years playing out. So we're going to see how this all goes, David. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Everybody should go check out David's latest at nationalreview.com. David Harsanyi, everybody. Thanks, David. Thank you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. What are the limits of the government's ability to protect you from COVID-19? And what should the limits be of the actions that they can take? These are still two very important questions right now, and we're not getting honest answers. The people that are telling you, as Biden's top COVID advisor is now, a four to six week lockdown would crush this thing. That doesn't make any sense. 
if we had a four to six week lockdown right now, what happens in week six? People start going out more, mixing more, more human contact means more spread of the virus. So we all know that it's not actually going to be four to six weeks. Let's all remember that they told us 15 days. That was back in March. And here we are being told four to six weeks, and that's all that it would take. And if we don't do that, they're going to tell us it's Trump supporters and the administration, the, pre- the president's administration's fault for not taking this seriously, for surrendering to the virus. What are we supposed to do? This thing spreads like the common cold. We've never been able to stop that. And we're not going to be able to stop this until we have a vaccine. And a vaccine is an enormous tool for achieving, that's right, herd immunity. That is how you get past a disease. To think that we're going to get past it by wrapping bandanas around our faces and masking up in between bites of food is moronic. This is not science. They can tell us as much as they want that a 10 p.m. end to restaurant dining in places like New York City is somehow going to keep us all safe. That's idiotic. What this is are politicians who have too much power, a public that has been terrified by a media that was using much of the covid panic for political purposes. And now it's do something so you can't be accused of not doing enough. Doesn't matter how much this infringes upon people's rights. Doesn't matter if it means that houses of worship are closed, that you can't go to a funeral, that you can't have a normal wedding. In fact, if you do, as we see from this couple out in Long Island that's gotten so much press because of the 34 people they say who got COVID at the wedding, they will COVID shame you. But there's no COVID shaming for important Democrat functions. You'll notice that. We have a big spike in cases going on right now. Was there any shaming of the tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people congregating in large groups, hugging and singing and dancing in the streets when they heard from the media that Joe Biden had won the election? Why did they cease to take covid seriously then? Why was it no longer a problem in the moment that Democrats wished it to be not a problem? Is that science? BLM riots all summer and protests, large gatherings of people. Was there shaming of them? No, but they did find a Sturgis motorcycle rally that happened and claim that that was a super spreader event somehow, but not the BLM stuff, not the left wing protests in the streets. In fact, public health officials, including many doctors who are just people that went to medical school who are huge libs. They said that this was good for public health in the early days of BLM. You remember that? Because it's about saving black lives. That's what they said publicly. And now we're supposed to listen to these people. Joe Biden's plan for tackling COVID-19 is effectively what? Doing exactly what we've been doing, just doing a lot more of it, being much more strict about it, and then insisting when it doesn't work, meaning it doesn't stop the spread of this virus, it does not flatten the curve indefinitely, that it's because we didn't comply enough. We didn't do enough. That's what they're going to tell you. That's going to be the way that this gets framed. No matter what, it's on us. You think that the media and Biden and the Democrat mask shamers are ever going to admit that maybe mandates and government policies when it comes to stopping an infectious aerosolized disease 
are just insufficient. Maybe it's not going to work. Because if they really believed it worked, wouldn't they take more seriously their own mandates? Why would a place like Washington, D.C. give waivers for Democrat politicians and officials to go out of state as they did for the John Lewis funerals? You remember that? Various, multiple John Lewis funerals. You could leave and come back and not quarantine because, you know, it was important for Democrats. So there's always this hypocrisy. There's this double standard. But the blame gets shifted to the disfavored party by the media, which is, of course, the Republicans and Trump and Trump supporters. I'm even seeing now this meme getting passed around about how Texas has, if it were the fifth largest country, or if it were the uh, a country on its own, it would have the fifth largest number of covid cases of, of anywhere. And OK, Texas is a large state, big population. They're having a covid spike there. New York City and, and New Jersey are the epicenter, the worst place for COVID-19 in the country, by far, not even close. The worst responses from governors there, Governor Cuomo, Governor Murphy, and Governor Cuomo's response, that thuggish moron, is to write books on leadership. And now he has shepherded us uh, through the crisis, and now by shutting down restaurants at 10 p.m. and never allowing us to even get to 50% indoor dining capacity, now... He's telling us that he knows what he's doing and we should all listen to him. This is offensive. I mean, the stupidity here is mind blowing. We have seen this tactic. We have seen these approaches from government tried time and time again here and in other countries. It does not work. It depends also on what you mean by work. If we tell everybody they have to stay in their homes for two weeks, will we see a reduction in cases? Sure. What happens when that two weeks is up? The choices are either indefinite lockdown or we accept that people can have their own choices, mitigate their own risks, decide whether they want to go out or not, decide whether they want to do indoor dining or not, make these decisions for themselves and understand that we live in an imperfect world where there are diseases and we are in a pandemic and this is not a perfect situation that the government can fix in any respect. It's just not right. There's nothing they can do to make all of this go away. That's where we are. Might as well accept it or just allow the government tyranny to continue, which is what's happening. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then I've been telling people for a long time now, I'm beginning to see what happened in Germany back in the 1930s. I, I never thought that could happen in this country. Uh, how do you elect a person president, then all of a sudden uh, give, give him the authority to be dictator? That's what we're teetering on here. Uh, that's what Hitler did in Germany. He was elected chancellor, and then because he uh, successfully discredited the news media, took over the churches. I cannot see that happening here. It may happen, but if it did, uh, that means uh, that the American people are much more or less, I should say, uh, intelligent uh, than I uh, think they are. There you have the House Majority Whip, um, Jim, Jim Clyburn. I mean, friends, what is going on here? House Majority Group Jim Clyburn, who's saying that he's making the Nazi comparison again. 
is there anything that's too much for libs to say at this point? Oh, it's like it's like Germany in the 1930s. They've been saying Trump is about to bring about 1930s Germany for the last four years, and it just keeps sounding dumber and dumber. There's less and less basis. for. I mean, it was absurd to begin with, but it's just getting crazier all the time. When is it enough? When are they going to give this up? I, you know, you're seeing this now, and I think we, we have a very uncomfortable recognition ahead of us. The Trump deranged aren't going to go. They're not going to go back to being normal. In the future, they're not going to say, OK, Trump is gone. And so now we're going to view politics rationally. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think that they've got themselves so brainwashed into this frenzy of opposing the other, which means Republicans, conservatives. Uh, they, they, they want to oppose the other with everything they've got, every tool at their disposal, no matter how underhanded, insane or dirty they have to they have to be. That's the approach. So don't think that if we put forward, you know, Josh Hawley, let's say, as a presidential candidate, if we put forward Nikki Haley, you know, she'd be basically uh, a another version of fascism in America because she supported Donald Trump when he was in office. And she's just they, they, they would say the craziest stuff imaginable about whoever the opposition is. Because they've completely divorced themselves from reality with all this anyway. So why would they go back to being or why would they rather change? I don't think go back is the proper way of saying it. Why would they change to being sane in how they talk about all of this? No. They said that George Bush was a Nazi. They said George Bush was a war criminal and that uh, and that Dick Cheney was a war criminal and that they should be uh, tried at The Hague. That's what they were saying about, you know, know, more mainstream Republicans in the past. They said awful things about about Mitt Romney, gave people cancer, binders full of women, abused dogs, bully in high school. They'll say whatever they can say, whatever they have to say. Women, they're going to outlaw. I remember this. I think this was a Stephanopoulos question during the Romney era in one of the first debates. You know, are you going to outlaw contraception? This is that whole right wing Christian slash, you know, uh, Mormon fundamentalist. Oh, my gosh, the takeover of America. Right? That's the kind of stuff that they say about somebody who's as milk toast as Mitt Romney. So this isn't going to stop. And that's also yet another reason why you don't want to bend the knee. You don't want to tell them you don't want to, to, to give them any encouragement to continue to be this unhinged. That's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, here's the, uh, the one of the favorite Democrat national security guys these days over at MSNBC. I think he was the assistant FBI director at some point. It's tough to keep track in these bureaucracies. There's, you know, the the deputy, the deputy assistant, the acting deputy assistant, the acting assistant secretary to the deputy's assistant. I mean, it's all this stuff. But this guy Figliuzzi. He goes on and he just says the most insane stuff about this president imaginable. I mean, he looks like a sociopath on TV, honestly. And he says stuff like this, play 18. 
We're coming very close. To, well, we're coming very close to having what the Bureau calls a barricaded subject. Uh, the barricaded subject is in the White House. And what we saw the, pres the president-elect do today was right on the money with regard to initial negotiation with a barricaded subject. Here's why. We saw a very calm Joe Biden today. We saw him essentially shrugging off that he doesn't yet have the money uh, or the keys to open transition offices. He shrugged off the fact that he's not getting the classified briefing. His staff isn't getting access to classified and briefings from the various agencies. That is exactly what you do in the initial stages. Whoever's advising him is doing it right. Barricaded subject. Yep. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's like Trump has locked himself in a in a clock tower with a rifle and refuses to come out, right? That's what they're trying to say. But these people are nuts. These people are insane. They're going on TV spewing this. They keep saying that our side is dangerous. We're the ones that go to court. We're the ones that use the system. They're the ones that are claiming there's a coup. This is a danger. National security. You know, your children are at risk because Trump hasn't conceded. See, these people are absurd friends you can't trust them you don't want to listen to them what they're saying has no merit it's not anything that anybody should believe should listen to it's disgraceful what is being said about this president right now by so many people in so many places across the media and, and it is is utterly disgraceful it's disgusting and they'll never be held to account for any of it in fact they if they are held accountable for it it's in positive ways it advances their career. It, it makes them, you know, more marketable to be an extreme anti-Trumper. It's the kind of stuff you're going to end up hearing. Oh, and then there's all the, the theories. I think I mentioned this before, all the different theories about, you know, why Trump is doing this right now. Here's, here's one of my favorite ones. Uh, one of the hosts on The View, again, the probably lowest collective IQ political talk show in existence. Uh, here she is saying that this is all about Trump getting rid of his campaign debts. Play seven. Well, we know that uh, they're, they're really um, that the legal challenges seem to be uh, without merit um, and any recount isn't going to change those wide margins that uh, you, you just mentioned, Whoopi. And, and it just seems to me that maybe this is about raising money to erase Trump's campaign debt that many believe he may have personally guaranteed. Um, contributions to this sort of recount effort are split evenly between the recount effort, the legal um, challenges, as well as as to erase campaign debt. And so the campaign, we know, has millions of email addresses, right? So even if, if a fraction of those people start giving money, the campaign could raise millions of dollars a day. Right. So in my mind, you know, you can't raise money for a legal challenge that is over when you admit concession. Right. So I, I think this may be right. one of uh, a remaining grift for, for the Trump administration and for right. the Trump family. I, I think that this may be all what about money yet again notice that she skips past the far more obvious answer here she says you can't raise money for a legal challenge if you concede right so maybe they're raising money for a legal challenge and they're serious about it does, does that ever no no that doesn't occur to her that that no that, that can't be that's be this this theory of this is all about money for the trumps and everything else donald trump is super rich He's going to spend the rest of his life super rich. His children are super rich. Ivanka married a billionaire. Okay, they're super rich. 
And yet there's always this, this belief that, you know, a couple hundred thousand here, a couple million there is going to be the, you know, the end of the Trump dynasty. These people are out of their minds, They're completely out of their minds. Oh, and an- another one of my favorite, uh, my favorite theories here is that uh, <laughs> Trump is going gonna, is gonna to start pardoning everybody that hasn't even been accused of a crime. That, that's what's going to happen. Play 20. Uh, the president will no doubt uh, leave the White House with a pardon. He will pardon himself uh, at minimum or possibly arrange for Mike Pence to take the office for an hour at the end to pardon him at the end. Uh, so it's not directly from himself. But a pardon cannot cover future acts. A pardon cannot cover anything that happens the day after you get the pardon. What is this is what I think is so fascinating. You know, this is this area of analysis. And we're all supposed to believe that, you know, this is really important stuff to hear. Um, What is he going to pardon himself for? That's been left out. What is he going to pardon himself for? This this goes to my question. I always ask. They say Trump is such a criminal. And I say, okay, what crimes has he committed? And they go, well, he said a thing about. You know, the place and the, the white nationalists and you know, the, the border and immigrants and, you know, no, I'm asking what crime has this. You call him a criminal. What crime has he committed? Yeah. I'll talk about corruption, in the Obama administration, but I never pretended that there was something, some secret criminal statute that Obama violated that I didn't know, you know, that I, I couldn't cite. But, oh, he's he's going to prison. He's going to prison. No, no. Corruption, sure, but prison time, a criminal statute being violated. Now, I think there are people working for Obama who perhaps uh, were in a position where they might have been sent. They might have been sent to prison. But what is the crime that Trump would pardon himself for? When you ask these basic questions of these supposed public intellectuals, they never have answers because it's not really about what's true. It's about what's going to get the most favorable response from an audience that has been conditioned for maximum Trump derangement syndrome. That is their expectation. That is what they want. They want maximum rage against Trump. He's so awful. Let's come up. Let's come up with our 1000 theory. I mean, even uh, Barry Weiss, who had to leave the New York Times because of all the wokeness there. Even she said that a great way to advance your career is to just write editorials about the latest unprecedented and outrageous outrage that Trump has committed. That means he's finally gone too far, right? He's finally gone too far. No, it was never true. He had not gone, but, but keep writing those pieces. People want to read them. People want to read about why Trump is the, is the devil is Hitler. And uh, this is not a healthy place for a nation to be. And the, the people that take this opinion, I mean, listen to the way that I talk about Democrats. I'm like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'll call them dumb. I'll say they're corrupt. I don't hate them. I don't want their families locked up. I don't accuse them of being secret neo-Nazis or anything. I mean, this is, there's a difference here. The same way, don't get drawn into the false equivalency of they view politicians and we view politicians in a similar fashion. No, they elevate politicians to deity status like Barack Obama. And politicians that don't do what they want, the left will uh, treat them as though they're they're serial killers and they're they're you know child molesters. They're human beings. 
beneath contempt and basic human dignity because they're so evil. That's the approach that you get from in the mainstream from Democrats. I mean, anything they can do. I'll tell you this. If Democrats uh, could prosecute Trump and send him to prison. They w- I think I think 80 percent of Democrats would say that they would want that. Which is which is insane. I mean, it's, it's honestly troubling and they won't even have to know what the crime is. Because I know they would then turn around and say, well, what about Hillary? I mean, Hillary actually broke the law. We can keep pretending like she didn't, but Hillary broke the law many times. What she did was reckless. If I had done that as a little nobody at the CIA, I would have been taking a plea bargain to avoid jail time and I would never hold a security clearance again. That's what would have happened. I would have taken a, I would have taken a criminal hit on my record for you know, recklessness under the Espionage Act with classified information. That's what would have happened. But not for Hillary Clinton. Hello! She gets away with it. Right? We have these double standards. But, you know, the same way that we understand they will riot and destroy neighborhoods when they don't get what they want politically, and we don't, our side doesn't do that, they will uh, demonize politicians in a way that our side is uncomfortable with. Uncomfortable. Now, there were people that I think went a little overboard about Obama, but I will say they went overboard about how dangerous some of his policies were. It really wasn't about hatred of Obama as a person, as a human being. I was part of the anti-Obama political opposition, and it's really when I started uh, my career in media. And it wasn't it was never I hate Obama. He's a he's a horrible human being. You know, everything about him, his family is evil, he's evil. I mean, there was never, there, that was not the mentality, and that would be unhealthy, and that's unwarranted. It was, yeah, he's, you know, a, a doctrinaire, left-wing, quasi-socialist who is not nearly as impressive as the liberal media wants to pretend he is. That's true, but he wasn't some awful human being that we, we should all live in fear of and everything else. That's, that was going too far. He's just wrong. He's not evil. There's a difference. They think we're evil and wrong, which is a whole other level. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. As promised, I've got an editorial up BuckSexton.com on our site. New and improved site. Looks great. So, so easy to listen to the show. You can just you can just uh, click and you can listen on demand. Uh, you know, anytime you want, but it's so please make bucksexton.com a homepage. We've got news stories throughout the day and I'm writing, I'm contributing and you can follow our various social media accounts. Um, but I've got an editorial up there. The MAGA movement just posted today, the MAGA movement fights on. And, and I want I want everyone to make sure you don't lose you don't lose faith and you don't lose hope at this moment in time, because while the libs are celebrating a Joe Biden win prematurely, they're also learning the hard truth here that Trumpism is here to stay. All right, we're here because Trump transformed the GOP into a mechanism for pushing back against the radical left and restoring American greatness. He showed conservatives across the country how to stand firm and hold the line against determined foes. That's what Trumpism is at its essence, a synergy of common sense, patriotism, and tenacious fighting spirit. All right, there's... There's more. I, I want you to go, please check out my it's really a, a call to action. It's really a call to arms, politically speaking. The MAGA movement fights on. We keep going. We don't stop. That's what the left wants. 
and I get into the details here at uh, at BuckSexton.com. So please, please go check it out. My my editorial on the MAGA movement. Share it to your Facebook page. That's the single most helpful thing you can do to get the word out there. If you share it on your Facebook page, people will be able to, your friends will be able to see it and we'll spread the word. And also please pass the buck. Uh, the podcast, the numbers keep going up. We had some really nice numbers in the Dracula podcast. Good enough that we are going to be expanding and doing more Shields High episodes, including Malta, Lepanto, Siege of Vienna. Uh, I've got a whole series. And then I'm thinking about doing, once we do those, I'm probably going to go to the, the greatest battles of ancient of ancient Rome and maybe ancient Greece and ancient Rome. And I actually think I also want to do the uh, maybe some of the explorers. I've, I've had this fascination with diving into a, a, a podcast on Cortez and Pizarro. And I think that might be really interesting. A, a conquistadors series of Shields High. Um, it's an area of history I really want to read more about, learn more about myself. And I feel like you would all want to know about that more too so that's that's my thought process but like i said please wherever you listen to podcasts the buck sexton show download it subscribe share it with a friend this week and make sure you make bucksexton.com a homepage. thanks for listening to the buck sexton show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts team buck it's time for roll call Roll call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton to send us the messages and uh, bucksexton.com to check in on my editorial today about the MAGA movement moves on or I'm sorry, keeps fighting, not moves on. And uh, we also can take your messages on Instagram. If you're not already, please follow me on the gram. More and more active there. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash Buck Sexton. We're posting videos there now as well. And on Stop. Rumble. And Rumble. What's our Rumble URL? I believe it's rumble.com slash Buck Sexton Show. Woohoo! There we go. Rumble as well. So we'll get all that done. Pablo, here we go. Hey, Buck, I can't help but think that this election mess we are in is partially our fault. We've all heard the jokes about winning the dead vote in Chicago, voting early and often in Michigan. Everyone thought that was funny. Now this appears to be true for critical states. It's not funny anymore. What if the people in Chicago and Michigan really wanted different and more conservative government? We will never know. Need to take a stand and demand fair and honest elections. Shields high. Sorry, Uncle Buck. Why are you sorry, Pablo? It's all good. You can call me Uncle. I am an uncle now. Got an adorable little nephew. I think he was correcting himself. Oh. Instead of saying Buck, he says, sorry, Uncle Oh, Buck. yes. You know, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, speaking of, uh, of adorable things, Baby Yoda, I'm watching The Mandalorian um, uh, season two. And, uh, you know, I got to say, it's, it feels like it's not quite as good as season one. But uh, they, they got to move this thing all along a little bit more. But Baby Yoda, just for the merchandise alone, has got to be a huge franchise. I, I, I bet they've made a ton of Disney's made crazy money off of uh, Baby Yoda merchandise, I bet. What do you think, Mark? I'm sure they have. Are you going to buy your little nephew a Baby Yoda doll? Oh, he's already got a Baby Yoda suit. Oh, yeah. Bought it for him. That's right. So he has like a little onesie that's Baby Yoda style. I'm not even surprised. 
Yeah, it's a very no, buck we got, move. We, we, we got to get we got to get it done. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm hoping the Mandalorian picks up a little bit. Some of it's uh, the first season was fantastic. Second season, first two episodes are it's like a B, maybe a B plus. So it's got to got to get a little bit better. And Mark, you know, we're going to have to be talking more about uh, shows and ways to entertain oneself at home because um, I do believe that we are heading for, as you know, at least in New York, some people will have an easier time in other parts of the country. But I think we're heading for uh, lockdowns. Yep. Just like last year. Only allowed to leave the home to get groceries, pretty much. Everything is going to shut down. The gym's going to shut down. I'm going to be unrecognizable. I'm going to be job of the buck by, by next June if they do that to me again. So, anyway. I and I know people going to the gym today, but then I realized they're just going to shut it down. So, what's the point of starting now? I mean, they, they are going to shut it down. Gyms are the first place that they always want it. They want, where, where you have essentially young and healthy people congregating. Uh, that's what they want to shut down right away, as if that's the big risk. So, And now they've got this thing now, you know, for vaccinations, if you want to go to a concert, they want you to either approve a negative COVID test or or be vaccinated before you can go. So I, I will get vaccinated if I get... We should have some system where you can put on a wristband or something that they give you that, that shows you've been vaccinated, and then you can stop with the stupid, you know, the dumbass mask nonsense. That would be great. I'll take any I'll take a vaccine that was made by, you know, a Russian scientist named Yuri in a basement in Moscow without any safety testing. If it means I can wear a little wristband and stop wearing a mask. I think that's where I am on this. That doesn't sound very safe. You know, it's true. It's not very safe, but I'm I'm desperate. to. I was on the treadmill yesterday with a mask on and I, it's tough for me to know. Am I just slower and uh, and more out of shape now entirely? I know the answer is yes, entirely. Or am I also stifling my ability to breathe? Therefore, it seems like I'm even more out of shape than I normally would be. That's what I can't figure out yet. That's fair. I I huff and puff bringing the groceries upstairs just because I have to wear the mask. Just think of it like you're doing a farmer's walk with the with kettlebells. And then all of a sudden you're getting a great exercise. So I don't think anybody does that. With groceries. Oh, well, you could. Sure. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Good, good. There you go. I got to invest in mac and cheese stock because I know that whatever the best mac and cheese company, they're going to do great during lockdowns just based on my own eating habits. Love me some Annie's. Ooh, Annie's mac and cheese is delicious. It's the best mac. I, I think it's the best frozen mac and cheese you can get. Karen, there's an idea out there too late to help the current situation, but could almost eliminate fraudulent mail-in ballots in the future. Require people to provide a thumbprint when they register to vote and put a thumbprint on the mail-in ballot. A smartphone can recognize a thumbprint, so it should be no great technological leap to make machines that both validate and count ballots very quickly. Uh, Karen, I I think that we are probably heading into a more biometric ID future in a lot of ways. Already think about face. uh, Mark, you do the face thing on your phone where it just opens up when you show, show your face? Yeah, of course. It's great. Yeah, I mean... I'm all about it. I also think that this is how we can eventually really deal with identity theft and and get rid of those problems by having it increasingly just biometric based. I mean, the fact that our social security numbers are used for all the things they're used for right now is insane. Insane. There has to be a better way. And it was never meant to be used in this way. I mean, if you look, I think on the on social security cards, it says not for identification purposes. And yet it's used for identification purposes all the time. So biometric, uh, and I know there's a big brother worry, but folks, we're, you know, 
we're already in a world where they're they're categorizing and cataloging, watching everything you're doing online and all the, all the time. When I say watching, I mean, you know, they have it all. There's a history of all this stuff. So, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, mail in. Uh, I'm sorry that a biometric ID would be great for. But it, it, that would be a long, slow transition. And de- understand this. Democrats will fight it every step of the way. Democrats want the, the, the future Democrats want for elections is everyone just gets probably even an email. I mean, they'd like to be electronic mail email balloting would be what they would want. So everyone just sends it. It's like we're voting for American Idol from your phone. You know, that's what they want. And, and, and no checks, no verification whatsoever. Just a free for all. That's what they want. Notice that they never accuse us of cheating and ballot stuffing and everything else because the cheating happens the, the same way that the glitches always go for Biden and the, the dumpsters with ballots in them are somehow always Trump ballots. We know that they, they think on balance. It's not that they'll never be Republicans who cheat or, or engage in voter fraud, but on balance, it'll benefit them more because they're more comfortable with it. They're just culturally, politically more comfortable with with uh, fraudulent voting practices, Democrats are. That's why they try to stop. I mean, what's the problem with voter ID? Oh, because people can't get, what do you mean you can't get an ID? How are you, if you can't get an ID in the United States, how functional can you really be in many other aspects of your life? You need an ID for tons of stuff. You can't even buy beer without an ID. And there's some places that have the mandatory show policy. So even if you're, uh, you know, 80 years old, they, they make you, you know that producer, Mark? There's some places... I was with a uh, a 60-some-odd-year-old teacher at Met Stadium, believe it or not, many, many years ago, and uh, because it was like a class, it was sort of a class trip thing, and I remember they carded him, and they're like, no, we really need to see your ID, and he says, come on, man, I'm in my 60s, and they were like, yeah, it's not that we don't believe you, but the policy is you have to show us the ID. That's still true. Stadiums are very, very strict about that, because there's major fines involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they made they made a 60 some odd year old guy show them an ID. So I'm just saying, you know, you need ID to buy a beer. You got to have ID to vote. OK, everyone needs to just deal with it. Um, Karen. Oh, no, she already talked to us. Kelly Buck. I'm a suburban mom of five young kids. My husband is a lifelong political operative on the Republican side. We've been we have been on winning and losing campaigns. And when you lose, you shake hands and wish your opponents well. So when AOC and those who agree with her tweet about making lists, kicking Republicans out of polite society and stopping them from working, I have to say this hit close to home. What bothers me even more is the lack of condemnation of her tweet from her own party. No matter which way you voted, we should all agree this kind of speech is completely unacceptable and extremely dangerous. There are decent people with families on both sides. This is America, and we do not prosecute or criminally attack those we disagree with politically. Completely unacceptable. I hope both sides can come together and condemn this type of rhetoric. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for writing in. It's uh, an honor that you and uh, and the hubs, uh, well, hopefully he listens too, but I know you listen to the show. And yeah, I, I think that we should be, I, I wish that we were in an era where we could be more gentlemanly. Uh, we could be more respectful to each other in our politics and, and operate with some good faith. Look, I, I think that we've, We've become a society, and I'm not the only one. I know this is this is very common to talk about this, but you know, we never we don't give people second chances. We don't forgive people. We're not understanding of each other's flaws. It's all about does punishing, ruining, canceling this person 
advance something for me? If the answer is yes, forget mercy, graciousness, decency, all that stuff. Get them. Go get them. That's the attitude. It's completely embraced on the Democrat side in politics, and it exists a little bit more on the Republican side, too. But I don't want Democrats ruined. I don't want them thrown out of their jobs. I mean, do you ever do you you hear me calling for people to be deplatformed and to be, you know, fired and all this stuff? Keith Olbermann said last week that Tucker Carlson should be arrested. And he was serious. These people are psychos. Sandy Buckster, I hope to hell that the GOP has learned a lesson and have some overseers in the all-important Georgia Senate race. Got to have those two seats, shields high. Sandy, I hope that your hope is going to be what happens, but this Georgia, these Georgia Senate seats, it's a big deal, friends. It's a big deal. If, if Joe Biden ends up the victor at the end of this whole count process and they manage to take those two Senate seats, we are in for a rough, and rocky ride America for at least the next two years. And there's a lot of damage that they'll be able to do for those two years. A lot of things will go wrong. That's when I actually am thinking, I'm like, okay, I might just cash out of my stock, increase my gold and silver holdings even more. I mean, I do, I've got gold and silver that I believe in. It's not just something I say. Um, I, I've been building up my gold and silver reserves uh, over time. So I'm a believer in that, because if you get a Biden administration that comes in uh, with without any Republican uh, elected official opposition that can stop them from enacting whatever agenda they want, the filibuster absolutely gone if they have a Democrat majority, absolutely going to be gone. And the pressure to use that free reign, that very wide berth that the Democrats will have given themselves for all kinds of mischief. Uh, they will abuse it. They will use it. Make no mistake about it. That is where we will be heading. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call. Remember, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton to send us messages. If you want to email us, it's teambuck at iheartmedia.com. David writes, Buck, I don't think I'm going to be able to stand four years of Joe Biden's unlistenable voice. Biden has quickly climbed the ladder to the top of the most unlistenable voices in American politics. He leapfrogged over Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Every time I hear the word mask, it makes me envy the deaf. I'd rather be stuck in a middle seat between Maxine Waters and AOC on a cross-country flight from Boston to San Francisco than to hear the unlistenable voice of Joe Biden saying the word mask over and over again. Why won't you wear the mask? No joke. No joke. I ain't kidding. Joe, Joe Biden's impression of a person that understands normal people. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Joe Biden does. You know, I'm just one of you. I'm Joe from Scranton. You know, True international average depression. <laughs> Yep. Get ready for it. We're gonna we're gonna be told he's a genius. He's a brilliant guy. 
Put all your hopes and dreams in the Joe Biden basket and go for a ride. That's what we're going to be told by people that say that they have your best interest at heart. And trust me, they don't. Shut up. Totally. Who was that, by the way? I forgot that. It's Maisie Hirono. Oh, Maisie. Shut up. Maisie. All right, let's go to Mitch now. Mitch, hey, Bucket Producer Mark. Greetings from the great state of Arizona. Love listening to you two every day. You provide, in my opinion, the best, most clear, logical, and no BS political insight available. Well, Mitch, you've got fantastic taste, and we really appreciate the kind words. I'm shocked at how things have gone here in Arizona this election. I'm born and raised in Arizona. Arizona's always been a conservative-leaning place. It saddens me to see where we've gone. I am and have been a police officer in the state for many years, and I see more California, Washington, Oregon, Wisconsin, and New York license plates every year. These liberals from everywhere else see how free and beautiful Arizona is. They move here and continue to vote the same way they did in the unsustainable hellholes where they came from. I'm afraid my state will be completely lost to the left in the near future if something doesn't change. I know there's been some meddling in this election here as well as several other swing states. We will fight with shields high, not allow them to California, Arizona. Well, Mitch, great to hear from you, man. And yeah, I know that's the situation in Arizona. I'm glad there are folks like you who see it for what it is and are trying to push back against the madness. Hopefully it'll be enough because if Arizona it becomes a blue, blue state over time, it just gets harder and harder for us. You know, the, the demographic trends don't seem to be in the GOP's favor right now. That's not that's not good news. Robert. The leftist media declaring Biden the presidential winner, as they just have, is like two teams in the World Series being tied at three games each. And the seventh game is in the fifth inning with the score at three runs to two. And the sports announcer proclaims the team the winner and World Series champion. Sports announcers aren't the official voices of who wins. And this presidential contest looks like it's going into extra innings. Producer Mark, what do we think of the uh, baseball analogy? It was a correct analogy. Yeah, there we go. All right, Robert, correct analogy. So there you go. Thanks for writing it. Appreciate it. Everybody, like I said, check in at BuckSexon.com for my editorial on the MAGA movement fighting on. And also make sure that you, when you get a chance, especially as we're going to the Thanksgiving holiday season, lots of relatives and friends you're going to see, or at least you're going to be Zooming with them. Tell them about the Buck Sexton Show. Pass the buck. Share the podcast. Until next time, friends. Shields high.